Well, good morning. Welcome once again to Connection Point Church. Thank you for being here with us today. If you're joining us online, we say welcome to you as well. Let me ask you this morning as we jump right into the message, have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been in that place where you're paralyzed, breathless, unable to move? You've been in a place where fear has completely taken a hold of you, to where you find yourself frozen. See, fear is not unique to a certain gender or a certain body type. It doesn't matter if you're five foot two and a hundred pound female, or if you're six foot six, solid rock muscle of a man. It does not matter. Fear is something that affects each and every one of us at some point or another in our life. It's a place where most of us have been at one time or another. So let me ask you, have you turned on the news lately? Just this week, the S&P 500 drops 11.5%. Let me break that down to you. That means if you had $100,000 in your retirement account on Monday morning, you likely have somewhere less than $90,000 in there today. And so if you haven't checked it lately, let me just break the news to you. That's, that's where you're at. COVID-19, or the novel coronavirus disease of 2019, has infected roughly 87,000 people worldwide, with 2,979 dying from that disease around the world. Let me, it's hard to read there. So roughly 86, 87,000 cases so far. Of those cases... 38,000 or 39,000 have already been released and, and are fine. In the U.S., 70 people, 70 people, yeah, I said that, 70 people have contracted this disease. Most of them got it overseas. And yes, one man in Washington State in his 50s with underlying health issues has died. Listen, this is all very tragic, but let's put it in perspective, okay? Let's look at this. Let's compare the coronavirus that everybody has gone mad about to the flu. Each year, every year, between 261,000 and 646,000 people die of the flu. Now, if we add flu-related illnesses, people who got the flu and then died of something else because they were already sick, that number would number into the millions. Here in the U.S. alone, this is this year, this flu season, somewhere between 32 million and 45 million people have gotten the flu. Somewhere between 18,000 and 46,000 have already died this year in the U.S. from the flu. The coronavirus... Worldwide, 2,900 people have died. The U.S., one has died. The flu, 45 million people got the flu this year in the U.S. So far, 70 people in the U.S. have contract contracted the coronavirus. Yet, people have gone out and began preparing 
to battle against the coronavirus with a pyramid of mashed potatoes, plenty of chocolate cake mix, and lots of toilet paper. Now listen, I don't share these flu stats here to, to add to your coronavirus scares. I share this to say most people don't walk around in fear of the flu. Yet the stats of the flu infections and deaths are staggering. I mean, it's astronomical. So why do they do it? Well, this week in a Health Magazine article, doctor said this. Anytime there is a new emerging infectious disease that is shrouded in mystery with a lot of unknowns, it captivates people in a way that a regular virus that people deal, deal with on a yearly basis won't. In, in other words, this is a new unknown disease, and it's all we hear about, so people have gone crazy. People have bought up masks at astronomical rates and prices. Look at these current prices of, of masks on eBay. Now, let me just tell you, if, I, I, hopefully no one has actually paid this, but those are actual listings right now on eBay. Let me just tell you, if you're willing to pay anywhere close to that, I got one of them right here. I'll be happy to sell it to you at half of that price. $25,000, and I'll throw five more in with it. No, they're new. <laughs> Listen, people are paying ridiculous prices for these masks, even though experts tell us that wearing a mask might actually make you more susceptible to disease. Because the mask requires it to be fitted properly by a professional for it to work right. And if it's, not if it's not fitted professionally, what you end up doing is you mess with it all the time. And guess what? You touch everything, and now you're messing with this mask and putting all these diseases and germs you're, you're touching right on your face where the mask is. That's not been fitted right. So now you just trap those germs right in there inside of the mask. Congratulations. We live in a day and age where people are fearful of everything. We wake up to news stories driven by much of what people fear. Some of you probably fear, fear Bernie Sanders, that he might get elected. Others of you probably fear Donald Trump's going to get reelected. We, we, we see stories on the economy, terrorism, fire, murder, trouble all around, always coming at us. It's no wonder people walk around afraid of their own shadows. Normally, public speaking would rank number one on the list of things people fear, but I think probably today it's the coronavirus. Public speaking used to be one of my greatest fears. I can remember a time about 20 years ago, I was running for um, public office, state house of representatives. I, I was at a, an event at the Hermitage, and I was supposed to give my little stump speech. I had my, my notes ready. And they said, it's your turn right after Lamar Alexander. Well, he got up there, and he just delivered his with no problem. I got up there, and I'm like, put my notes in my pocket. I got something to say, too. And I went blank. And what seemed like an eternity, which was probably a few seconds, I stood there not knowing what to say. I pulled my notes right back out. 
after that time, I was better prepared after that. But, but, I, but that still is in the back of my mind. Sometimes we have a fear of speaking because of something like that, something that happened to us at some time or another. But most of the time, it's just fear out of what we think might happen. I mean, what if they don't like what I'm going to say? Or what if they don't laugh at my joke? Or, or what if they laugh when they're not supposed to laugh, right? Fear is something we've all experienced, though. Fear, it's, it's the feeling or condition of being afraid. It's a distressing emotion caused by a threat, whether it's real or imagined. The truth is, I think oftentimes, though, fear comes from the imagined threat rather than the real. Fear will often stop people in their tracks from living the life that God intended them to live. It's true within the church as well. Fear of being politically incorrect, hurting feelings, it's far too often kept preachers from preaching and calling sin what it is. But listen to me, it's also kept church members from sharing the good news beyond the doors. We're afraid that if we begin sharing our faith, someone will say something to us about the Bible and we won't be able to answer it. They'll, they'll ask us and they'll say things like, doesn't the Bible just contradict itself all over? So we're afraid of that. We're like, maybe, maybe they'll say something like, you know, the, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then it says, fear not, do not be afraid. Isn't that a contradiction? Doesn't that mean completely the opposite? How can it be true? And rather than being willing to engage in that conversation and using the word to defend itself, I promise you it doesn't need any help. You just need to know what it says. Instead of using the word to defend itself, we, we back away and just don't engage at all. And when we do that, we have allowed the enemy to use the tool of fear against us. But I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to. One way to combat that fear is to know the word of God. Spending time studying the word of God. I'm not talking about just getting out your app and check in off your box that says, I read the Word today. I'm talking about getting into the Word of God, sitting down and studying it for what it is. When you find something that doesn't make sense to you, you call upon some friends. You, you, you open up a, a study Bible. You, you get some concordances. You, you, you begin investigating and studying and, and learning. You Sit down to open the Bible and you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring revelation to me today. You, you know the Word. But see, when we are lazy in our study of God's Word, let me tell you this, it makes the enemy's job a lot easier. To understand how the Bible can say two different things that seem to contradict, you need to be willing to dig a little bit into it. See, many times Christians will read something in the Word where it seems there may be a contradiction. Instead of getting in and studying it, we simply avoid the conversation altogether. Can I tell you this? His Word is true, and it does not contradict itself. It is possible 
to walk in the fear of the Lord at the same time walking without fear. That's because there are different kinds of fear. There's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear. That's true in our life. If you see a toddler reaching for a hot stove, what are you going to do? You're going to run to him and you're going to stop him from grabbing it. That's a healthy fear. You're not living in fear of the stove. You haven't, you haven't took the stove and put it in the, in the garage because, because you're afraid of what the stove might do. You're aware of where your toddler is when the stove is on. Uh, matches or fire. You can use it to light a candle, but a fire can also burn down a forest and destroy everything in its path. But you don't avoid matches just because of what fire may do. You just have a healthy understanding of what it is, and you use it with that in mind. Back to the coronavirus. You probably shouldn't cash out your 401k and buy a pyramid of um, mashed potatoes. Probably just shouldn't do that. Wouldn't really be wise. You probably shouldn't cash in your, your 401k to go out and buy some $50,000 masks either. But you probably should have some provisions in your home that would allow you to ride out if something did happen in your community. But that's things you should have anyway. There have been many natural disasters where people haven't been prepared in their home to, to get through those things. It's not living in fear to have some water on hand. It's not living in fear to have canned goods on hand and other non-perishable items. These are things people should have. Now, that doesn't mean you should go out and buy 100 boxes of these mashed potatoes, though. Listen, if you want some mashed potatoes, I'll send some home with you today. What it means, though, is this. The next time Pastor Toby does a disaster preparedness class for the community, maybe you ought to think about attending. See, reverent fear is a healthy fear, and that's what's talking about when the Bible refers to the fear of the Lord. This is a fear that we should all have, but not all do. Proverbs 1.7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The beginning of wisdom starts with us fearing God. Now, over the next couple of weeks, I'll, I'll walk through some things why, why we shouldn't fear in an unhealthy way, where we shouldn't have an unhealthy fear to the things of this world. But today, I want to focus right here on the fear of the Lord. If we don't get this... We won't ever, ever be able to walk free of an unhealthy fear. Jeremiah 5.22 says, Should you not fear me, declares the Lord. Should you not tremble in my presence. Some people read this and they feel like God is some kind of angry dictator. Like, like he's a Zeus-like character with lightning bolts in hand, waiting for you to screw up so he can cast it down on you and squash you like some bug. Throughout the Bible, we are told that fearing the Lord should be something we desire, but, some, but listen, that does not mean we should be afraid of Him. We worship an all-powerful, always-present, all-knowing God, and that is something that is so beyond our imagination. 
God is so awesome that simply being in his presence is something we cannot comprehend. Being aware of this brings about a reverent fear. Isaiah 6 says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each of them had six wings, and with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Do you understand this visual picture that Isaiah is presenting to us? Maybe you haven't seen that, even in the spiritual realm. But maybe you've experienced his presence so strong that it filled the room just the same. There are times, even during worship service, like this past Friday night, where you, if you were here, you may have felt his presence so strong you weren't even able to stand. And maybe if you were here, you would have seen as your, the tears begin coming down your face where you become completely overwhelmed in his presence. You see, there's a feeling that overcomes you when you realize God just spoke to us through his people. There's a, a reverent fear of him. Reverent fear is something that we all need to have. It's an awareness of God. And, and, and when you have this awareness of God, it brings about this reverent fear. And, and it's something that's missing in the lives of far too many Christians today. We've become so cavalier with our attitude towards God, even within the church. People no longer have a reverent fear of God, but, but not only that, they don't even have a respect for Him anymore. Many, many Christians have lost the awareness of God's presence. They've forgotten that He is always with you. He is always present. They've forgotten that when we gather together, He is there among us. So instead, because of that, we come to church when we feel like it, because we've lost an awareness of who he is. When you first got saved, there was a sensitivity to him. You wanted to be around him all the time. When you first got saved, if the church was open and it didn't matter what was going on, you were there. There was something, if there was something going on at a church member's home, You wanted to go. Why? Because you wanted to be around his people. But what happened? Have you begun to desire the things of this world more than him? It's no wonder then that you you may walk in fear to the things of this world. So I asked this morning, is the awareness, is it gone? Have you lost the fear of the Lord? If I told you that next Sunday morning, instead of Joshua Graves standing at the door to greet you when you come in, it would be Jesus Christ in the flesh himself, my guess is there wouldn't be too many people coming in after we started. I'm going to guess that most people wouldn't walk through the door halfway through the worship service. 
I'm amazed at the number of people who can make it to work at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., or 8 a.m. every day of the week, Monday through Friday, and can't get to church the same time that their lunch break starts during the week. We got to get back to a reverent fear of God, an awareness of who He is. Because when you become aware of who He is, then you can walk in the words that say, do not be afraid. Fear not. But because we don't have the fear of the Lord, we walk around in a state of unhealthy fear. Constantly concerned about the things of this world that might happen. For the most part, most of these things are highly unlikely to happen. Yet we allow the thoughts in our mind to put a stranglehold on our lives. When we give in to an irrational, unhealthy fear, we are giving more credence to that thing that we fear than the power of God Almighty. We are given more credence to that thing that we fear than we are to His ability to deliver on His promises. When we walk in fear, we're not only not walking in faith, but we're actually saying we believe that thing we fear is more of a reality than the Word of God. Too many people have given in fear to the point of allowing the things they fear to control their lives. And what happens is it keeps them from living out the plans that God has for them. When he says, I have, I, for I know the plans I have for you, he doesn't say, for I know the plans I have for you, and they are of doom and gloom. That's not what it says. He tells us to fear not. Over and over and over again, we're told to fear not and to not be afraid, yet fear is reality that grips far too many people. Church, God is saying to you today, fear not, do not be afraid. Look at Psalms 23 with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me to the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David related God to a shepherd because he understood what it meant to be a shepherd because he was one. He was one who cared for his flock. He would feed them. He would water them. He would care for them. He would find a safe place for them, and he would defend them against whatever would come against them. And when we think of David, we think oftentimes of someone who was fearless. We, we, we think of David killing a lion and David killing a bear, but mostly we think of what? David killing Goliath. We think of him as being the one running onto the battlefield with nothing but a sling and a stone. He went out to take on the Philistine. The giant. You know the story, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here this morning. But I do want to look at one verse. It says, So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Do you see it? I highlighted it. 
he hurried and he ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. The giant was the thing that kept Israel's army cowering in fear. Yet David, it says, he ran out, he hurried and he ran out to meet him. How can this one person run to the very thing that an entire army was in fear of? Because David feared the Lord. Look back at number four there in, in, in Psalm 23. It says, I will fear no evil. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I'm going to go into the place of battle, though I'm going to go into the place of, of possible harm, I will fear no evil. Though I'm faced with a lion, I will fear no evil. Though, I, though I'm faced with a bear, I will not fear. Though I stand on a field with a giant, I will not fear. Why? Because it says, for you are with me. David had an awareness of the Lord. He knew who it was that was on his side. He wasn't going to have to wonder if he would be victorious. He knew he would be victorious. The land the giant stood upon was God's promised land for God's chosen people. He had no, that giant had no right to stand there and taunt the people of God. The enemy had no authority over something that was promised by God to his people. So what about you? Have you allowed the, an the enemy to stand on your promised land? Land that has been promised to you by God Almighty. Have you allowed the enemy to stand there and taunt you? Are you living in fear? So have you been gripped by the news of the day? Listen to the words of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's the shepherd. He's the one who cares for, who protects, who has concern for, who, who takes care of. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. When your mind is troubled, when your mind is stirring, you need to know that the Lord, your shepherd, will cause you to lie down and take rest in the, in the still places. He will bring comfort and peace to your mind. He restores my soul. When you're feeling overwhelmed, if you would just have an awareness of him, that he's with you everywhere, that he's all around. When you're feeling overwhelmed, a fear of the Lord will bring you to a place where you can rest in knowing that he will restore your soul. That he brings a renewing. Church, he is with you. The Lord Almighty. So this morning I ask, what evil is it that you fear? What giant is standing before you today? Are you, are you more aware of that thing that you fear than you are of the God who is with you? Are you cowering to the giant like the armies of Israel? Or are you hurriedly running towards it with the sword in your hand, in your mind, in your heart?
standing upon the promises that God Almighty has given you. Jesus said, you'll have trouble in this world. But don't leave it just there, because he didn't. You will have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world. Verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Are you dwelling in the fact that he is with you? It says goodness and mercy, not doom and gloom. Goodness and mercy will follow you. How long? All the days of your life. I'm telling you today, if you would only have an awareness of God, a healthy fear, a fear of the Lord. If you would only know that he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. It doesn't say that, that he's, he's preparing this, this table hidden away somewhere, out of sight, hiding from the enemy. It says he prepares a table for you right there in the middle of the battlefield, in front of the enemy, whatever it is you're facing. He's bringing your need right there. He's meeting you in the moment. It says he prepares your table in the presence of your enemies. It may look like you're defeated. But I'm here to tell you today that victory is promised. If you would simply have the awareness of God and the fear of the Lord like David, you could run to your enemy just the same. And you could declare just as David did, who are you to come against this man? Who are you to come against this woman? Who are you, Satan? Who are you, enemy, who are you, whatever it is that you are fearing, whatever it is that is coming against you, who are you to come against this man or this woman of God and what he has promised? See, that's, that's what you can do when you have an awareness of who God is, when you have a healthy fear of the Lord. Then you can walk not in fear, but in confidence, knowing that the Lord God Almighty is on your side. He's with you every step of the way. Every step that David stepped, God was there. Every step that David stepped was a promise of God. He had already promised that land way back when. And so when he goes running towards that, that giant, every step he could declare, I have victory, the battle is not mine, for the battle belongs to the Lord. He didn't have to worry about the outcome. He already knew the outcome. So this morning, if you're battling with fear, he says to you, fear me and fear not. When you become aware of who it is that's on your side, you can walk with authority and power. Over the next weeks, we'll cover why you shouldn't fear, but you need to know it all begins right here. It all begins with the fear of the Lord. You won't ever walk free from unhealthy fear without starting right there. You'll always be in it. So I ask as I close, simple question. Are you aware of his presence this morning? Are you aware of the fact that he is with you? Are you relying on him today? Can I pray for you this morning?